uh, join with Justin and the other brethren in welcoming you here this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. If you're here visiting with us, uh, we hope that you know that you're more than a visitor. You're our honored guest here. Uh, we're so glad that you've chosen to be here this morning. Uh, we learned a couple of weeks ago that today is, in fact, the greatest day of the week. It's the Lord's Day. Uh, but it's, it's a special day for me. It may not be quite as special for you, but, but you'll understand why it's a special day for me. Over the last few months, I've told you that, that we were preparing for a big transition in the family. And uh, next month at this time, in August... Uh, Corinna will be in Lubbock, Texas, not living under my roof anymore. So it's a special day because this is the last time that she will get to hear me speak while living in my house. Uh, so in, in coming up with the lesson this morning, uh, I hope that the words that I've given her over the last almost 19 years now are words that she can use, or words that will do her well, or words that have helped her grow. And I hope they've done the same for you. Uh, but I've chosen this as, as maybe one last time to say, hey, um, here's a lesson, here's a virtue. I, I want you to take this. Uh, I want you to put this to use in your life. And I hope it does the same for you. You know, if you think about the reading of the morning, the reading of the morning is one in which we see Peter speaking to the Lord. He's speaking to Jesus, and he asks a question there in Matthew, the 18th chapter, and I want to ponder that question for just a moment. Matthew, the 18th chapter, if you're following along in your Bible, in verse 21, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. Let's just think about the question that Peter asks here, okay? Peter, as a human, goes to the Lord. And he says, I, I've got a question for you. Here's the question. How often do I have to forgive my brother for sinning against me? What's Peter saying? I want you to think about the words that he uses here. He doesn't say, you know, I've got this one brother who's real annoying. How many times in a day do I have to get over it? There's this one brother of mine who's got these certain characteristics that really get to me. How many times do I have to put up with it, Lord? No, in fact, here's what Peter says. Peter says, I have this brother. There's this brother of mine. He's close enough that I don't just call him my guest. I don't just call him another man I've met or someone that I know. He says, I have this brother. And here's the problem with the brother. He sins against me. You know, we can really get annoyed with one another sometimes, right? In fact, we all have characteristics. Sometimes they're called warts. We have those things that just really, really get under our skin. And then there's sometimes that someone does something to us, and we call it a sin. You see, what Peter was looking at here was something where he was at the point, he said, Lord, I want to know. I want to know. Make it final right here. Tell me how, how many times do I have to forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? Can you imagine that? Seven times I come over to your house in a day and seven times I annoy you. Seven times I agitate you. Seven times I steal something from you. Some, seven times in one day I come and tear something up at your house. That's, that's a lot of forgiveness. And the Lord says, uh, I didn't say seven times. No, in fact, I'm not saying unto you seven times, but until 70 times seven and whether we want to argue or dispute the translation of what that number is, here's what the Lord said. 
I'm not giving you a number. The number is too big for you to understand. You know, when we look at this story that Peter had this conversation with Christ, it's easy for us to look at this and say, that truly is a lesson in forgiveness. Is forgiveness important? Surely it is. In fact, forgiveness is so important that Christ, when he's teaching the disciples to pray, he says this, if you don't learn forgiveness, if you don't do forgiveness, if you don't give forgiveness, then don't expect the Father to forgive you. That's pretty big. But I'm going to tell you, there's something else in this story that I want to learn this morning. You see, we can talk all about forgiveness, but there's something else here that I think is important for each one of us, and I hope that we take this to heart this morning, and I hope that you won't take it from me. I hope you'll go back and read the Bible and take the Bible's word for it, not mine. Because I want you to notice where we ended here in the reading. You see, Jesus gave an example. He said, you know, the kingdom of heaven, it's likened unto a lord, a master, a man in charge. We call it a boss who goes to one of his employees, his servants, his slaves, and says, you owe me. You owe me big money, and I'm here to collect. You have a debt to me, and I'm here to get my money. 10,000 talents, the Bible says. And in fact, here's what the boss does. The boss doesn't say, and if you don't have my money, you're fired. The boss doesn't say, in fact, we're going to take it out of your paycheck. He doesn't say any of that. In fact, this boss says this. Fine, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take your wife and your kids, and I'm going to sell them, and I'm going to sell you, and I'm going to get my money. But I want you to notice verse 26 here. Matthew 18 and verse 26 says, The servant, the slave, the employee, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Do you see that? Here's the story the Lord is telling. The Lord said there was a master, and he had a book that had accounts in it, and that one account this one servant owed him 10,000 talents. We could call that $10,000 or $10 million, whatever you want to call it. But he owed his master this money. And when the master determined he was going to be paid, in fact, he was going to put this servant and his family into slavery until it got paid, I want you to notice what the servant did. It said he fell down and he worshiped the boss. He worshiped the master. He worshiped the Lord there. And notice what he asked for. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He didn't ask to let the debt go. In fact, he said, I'm, 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 I'm going to pay the debt. I recognize the debt. I'm going to pay it. What did he ask for? He asked for patience. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What's Paul writing about here? Paul is writing to the church at Galatia and therefore to you and I about the characteristic fruit we should bear to everyone who sees us. I want you to look at that list up there. Sometimes we go through this list real fast. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. And we get through that list because it sounds really cute, but I think we go through it really fast because there's some of this we don't want to have to bear, right? In fact, I think we can all go with love, joy, peace and know that that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? But then we get to long-suffering. Uh, long-suffering is a word that we also translate patience that is actually translated forbearance, long-suffering, or patience in the Scriptures. 
Before we move away from this list, I want you to notice something that's missing there. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses 22 and 23, there's fruit of the Spirit, which Paul is saying, this is fruit that we should bear. If we're going to be followers of Christ and call us His disciples, if we are going to call ourselves Christians, this is a list that we want to put to use in our life. Show me forgiveness. Whoa. You ever notice that? Forgiveness, we've already worked out, is real important. Where is it at on that list? I wonder if somewhere in there we have to realize that it's kind of woven in to all of the fruit of the Spirit. But I'll notice, I'll have you notice, forgiveness is not there. But patience is. So this morning, what is patience? What does it mean to be patient? We want to work that out real quick this morning. If you, if you were to take your smartphone or uh, dictionary or wherever you look up definitions, It'll show you that there are two basic meanings of the word patient. The first one is a noun, a person receiving medical treatment. Uh, we have quite a prayer list this morning, so we understand what it is to be a patient. A patient is someone who is under the care of another, oftentimes for a sickness or an injury. That's the noun of the word patient. Then there's an adjective. You and I, are we patient, able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious? So I want you to notice, and I will tell you this, when you see patience in the scriptures, if you study the scriptures, when you see patience lived out or acted out, it's in one of these two forms. Because if you look at the definition one, a person receiving medical treatment, how does that make a patient? That's someone who's able to suffer injury, who's able to suffer hurt, who's able to suffer persecution and endure it, right? In fact, the word patient, if you go and look at the, the root of the word patient, uh, it came from the Middle Ages. When you were sick or had a fever, what did they do? If you study history, I may just ask Nathan. You know what they did? They did bloodletting and they drilled a hole in your skull, because they believe that's how it would come out. Now imagine that. Imagine if we still practice medicine that way. Imagine how COVID would have been through the Middle Ages. You're running a fever, we'll drill a hole in your head, and you're going to have to deal with it. So that's where the word patient came from. Enduring injury, suffering, pain. And then there's a second one here. Able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Another way of looking at that is tolerating the weakness of others without complaint. And that's the one we really don't like. But I need you to take note of something. Psalm 103, a psalm that's attributed to David, he describes God in this way. He says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. That term that's translated slow to anger is the same term, patient, in the New Testament. So if we were made in the image of God, and we're looking to be Christ-like, then we can see the patience of God. Have you thought of that? What a patient God we have. Have you thought about how patient he is with you and I? Have you thought about the patience of the Savior? We sang this morning, 
that he left the glory of heaven. That for you and I, he went to the cross and he endured the mocking, he endured the shame, he endured the punishment, and he never returned any of the mocking, never returned the shame. You see the patience of God toward you and I. James, the fifth chapter, says this way, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I want you to notice that James thought patience was so important that he said this, Look at the prophets of old and how they suffered injury. And how they endured the afflictions. And look at Job. Remember what Job went through. What was Job known for? Job lost it all. Job lost his family. Job Job lost his goods. Job lost his health. And yet James doesn't say have the strength of Job. James doesn't say here, you want to know tough or you want to know good. Think about Job. You know what he says? When you think about Job, think of patience. I'm going to talk about the importance of patience this morning. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. You know, we look at 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and we know that as the love chapter, right? Because Paul describes for us in great detail what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. In fact, he goes on to tell us that love is not puffed up, that it doesn't boast of itself, that it keeps no record of wrong. In fact, love never fails. This is the definition of love. And it starts with this idea, love suffers long and is kind. I wonder, I was asked this morning about this, whether or not I was going to use it as a prop, and we're fixing to get there. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been impatient with somebody? that you loved. Let's think real hard here. Have you ever been really impatient, got really frustrated, got really annoyed, in fact, lost your temper? And before we move on, if you want to go back and look at the definition of the word patient in Galatians 5, if you do a little word search of that, it comes from a Greek word that means longanimity, long-tempered. You ever call somebody long-tempered? We know some short-tempered people, right? We know some hot-tempered people. You ever referred to somebody as long-tempered? Because that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying a fruit of the Spirit is being long-tempered, is being patient, is being long-suffering. That same Paul who translated that long-tempered said this, if we're going to define love, here's where it starts. Love is patient and is kind. So I'll ask you again. Have you ever been impatient with someone you loved? I have here a banana. Everyone see my banana? This yellow banana. This yellow banana is my favorite fruit. I like these yellow bananas. Anybody think I've gone crazy? Well, let me ask you this. What if I said it a little louder that this is a yellow banana? Does it make it a banana? Wait. What if I got real indignant with you because you don't believe this is a banana and I said this, don't call me a liar? What if I said that forcefully? Don't you call me a liar, this is a banana. Does it make it a banana? Well, let me ask you this. 
What if in my own insecurity I decided that I was going to threaten you and I was going to say this? I'll tell you what. If you don't believe this is a banana, then we can't be friends anymore. We're no longer brothers and sisters if you don't recognize this is a banana because this is my favorite banana, right? Or what if I decided that I was going to attack you a little bit? See, because I want that to be a banana. And so here's what. If you don't believe that's a banana, it's because you don't have enough faith. You see, there's a lot of things that I could do and get real passionate about. And there are a lot of things that I could say and actually start to believe for myself that this isn't an apple. This is a banana. And I could want you to believe it too. And I could dare you to say, don't call me a liar because I know what I love. Here's the unfortunate part. Love is defined for us. See, we can change the rules all we want. We can say, I can still love in my own way. You can still do something, but love is defined. Love is patient. You notice that Paul didn't make patience optional when we're talking about love. You notice that he didn't say, you see, actually, here's the deal. We all love in our own way. We all love in our own special way. And these are some of the characteristics that you can take or leave. Paul didn't say that. Here's what he said. Love is defined. And here's what love is, because God is love. Love is patient and is kind. You see what Paul was saying about the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. Patience isn't one we can just toss aside and go, yeah, well, I'm just not patient. Well, here's the thing. Love is defined and love is patient. And so if we're going to love one another, then we have to somehow figure out how to be patient with one another. Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse one says, and this is the same Paul who, who wrote, for you and I was inspired to write the fruits of the Spirit. This is the same Paul who said that patience is so necessary for love. He said in Ephesians 4, chapter verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. You know what Paul said? Paul said, you know, we all like to say that love is the glue, Right? Paul said, we all like to say that love is so strong that God so loved us that he sent his only son to die on the cross and that love is the glue. And notice what he said about that love, that you and I are to be patient with one another in love. So if love is patient and is kind and love is the glue, then I'll tell you this, patience is what keeps us together as one body. 2 Peter, the third chapter. There's a lot said here in 2 Peter, the third chapter, beginning in verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, there's a whole lot that we learn about the character of God and about one of our greatest obstacles to patience in these two verses. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering. He's patient toward you and I. 
Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what he gives us? A whole lot of time. He gives us a whole lot of time to get it right. He gives gives us a whole lot of time to grow. He gives us a whole lot of time to come to him. You imagine how long he's put up with mankind and how long he's put up with you and I. In fact, I want you to look at what it says. Peter said that one day is to the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You know what God's got that you and I don't have? All the time in the world. You know what one of our greatest obstacles to patience is? It's time. Think about how we talk about time. What can a person do with time? They can spend time, right? We can spend time together. We can waste time. I can buy you some time. I can learn to manage my time. When you think about it that way, is it weird that we use money terms to talk about time? Culturally, time is money, right? In fact, we value our time. We've got time down to the point that we schedule in specific increments. In our culture, we eat three times and we have breakfast in the morning and sometime around noon. In fact, what do we call from 12 to 1 in any given day? That's the lunch hour because we're all about time, right? Time is money. Time is of the essence. Time is important. In fact, here's the sad truth. We've come to value our time and our scheduling and our work ethic over patience. Is it important to work? It sure is. Is it important to be hardworking? It sure is. The Bible tells it. It's not anywhere in the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want to be late. It's probably better that you don't want to be impatient than you're worried about your timing. Is it important to make money? It is. But when our time is an obstacle to us following the Lord, then we probably better check our time. And with that, I want to give you one idea there since um, running long here, and I thank you for being long-suffering this morning. Uh, Psalm 46, Psalm 46 and verse 10, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you just stopped and did nothing but focused on God? You know, sometimes we look at silence and quiet and doing nothing and just being as lazy or wasteful or just not something I want to do. But you know what the Bible says? Sometimes you just got to be still and know that he is God. When was the last time that you intentionally meditated? That you said, you know, there's a lot of things I need to get done. I need to mow. I need to pay the bills. I need to get Corinna ready to go. I need to go to work. I need to do all that. When was the last time you went, hold up, and just paused and recognized the patience of your God and recognized his love through that patience? Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and the Thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. I want you to notice some of the things here that the psalmist is saying. The psalmist says this, 
Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. How do you make the desires of your heart known to God? Prayer. When was the last time you intentionally prayed instead of worrying about all the other things that you had to do? You see, the Bible says here, don't worry, don't be anxious about the one who prospers even doing evil. But the truth is, the psalm, the prayer is still true when it says, hey, you know what, you've got a lot to worry about. You've got so much to do in so little time. You've got a lot to worry about. You're carrying a real load on your shoulders right now. And the psalmist said, be still. Let him know the desires of your heart. Let him carry you. Let him bear your burdens. When was the last time you were intentional in prayer? When is prayer time for us? You know, we look at some other religions that have specific prayer times and we kind of go, whoa. When is prayer time for us? Breakfast, lunch, supper, right? That's prayer time. There's another prayer time. Another prayer time is right before, right after you lay your head on the pillow and right before you fall asleep, even if you don't make it to amen, right? That's prayer time. There's another for some of us, and that is right after we wake up or, or maybe shortly after we've had breakfast, we're going to say a short little prayer. But when was the last time you went, you know what? Right now it's not prayer time. Right now it's work time. Right now is stress time. Right now is anxiety time. In fact, right now is the time that I need to worry about 10,000 things and realize I don't have enough time to worry about it all, right? When was the last time that was prayer time or patient meditation time intentionally? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God so loved us that he sent his son to give his life for us. Why? So that we would recognize his patience and his mercy and his grace for us. And that in doing that, we would in turn bear fruit of patience to one another. If you're not a child of God this morning, God has been patient with you. God is pleading with you to be obedient to him in faith, being buried with him in baptism. If you are a child of God, and there's something that we can pray with you or for you, we would ask you to please come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Amen.